mind, body, spirit. The martial arts are a way of life. Attack life, not others, is an insight into that life. With Sensei Tim Hoover. Today, our guest is Tim Spees. He works for a federal law enforcement agency, the Secret Service. And he's also, I want to say, a martial artist in a career way as well because he brings it into his life in every way from a mindset, physically and also spiritually. Good afternoon, Tim. Good afternoon. Thanks for enlightening me. Tim and I don't see each other every day. We go back pretty far. We trained under the same teacher. That's number one connection. And we both, over the years, have gone on our own path and created our own system. Tim created his system, which is called... Aruku Shuanfa. Okay, and mine is called Kwan Rufu Chido. The strange thing is that I never, over the years of training with my teacher, I had never met Tim until later on. And then when we did meet, it was just an immediate connection of personalities and character. And we kind of do the same thing in, in different parts of this country. As you know, as I mentioned, works for a federal agency. I'm a private detective, and we both take the martial arts a little bit more seriously in a way of self-defense because we deal with different kinds of people, some that are irate. But, you know, the show's not about the physical tactics used. More or less, it's more about how we take the mental, the physical, and the spiritual ways of the martial arts and kind of bring them into our life every day. And that kind of shapes our life in a direction that makes it, I guess, a little healthier lifestyle. So that's kind of what I want to talk about, how your life works, how the martial arts works in your life, especially in your career, which is, I'm pretty sure, very chaotic. So let's start with your philosophy, Tim. Well, my philosophy as it pertains to the martial arts is that it's there for you. It's a personal thing. It's more of an internal thing than a physical thing. As we know, there's a lot of physical activity with karate or any martial arts for that fact. But it comes to a point in time where you've learned so many punches, so many blocks, so many kicks that there has to be a deeper meaning to this. And that's where I believe when you go inside yourself internally and you start to discover who you are, the true art of the martial art comes out of you. And I think each one of us has a different style, if you want to say. Yeah. And not everybody has to train in the martial arts to find this. No. I mean, there's different kind of disciplines that get us there. I think a couple of weeks ago, I had a guest here who was born and raised in Italy. And he spoke about how opportunity was created through his father and how they worked hard and how he carried that over the United States and how he's created a family and success here because of his work ethic and the way he lives. And he's a very spiritual man. He gets it. He's got the mind, the body, the spirit connection. Right. I mean, anything, as they say, is Kung Fu. Kung Fu is not really a style. It's working hard towards a goal, working hard and putting a lot of effort into it. So I think the true martial artist, once he gets his black belt, it's just the beginning, as they say. You have all the basics. Now you take these basics and you shape and mold them and you add that little spice of life to it from your internal. You can teach anybody to you know, copy something, but when you put your heart and your soul and your effort into it, that's when the true artist comes out. Yeah. Just to back up a little bit, Tim uh, was working in the area and gave me a call and said, hey, I'm going to be around. Can I train with you? And I said, you know, better than that, why don't you come in? And I have a real strong adult population in the dojo, as we mentioned before on the show. I said, why don't you come in and put on a seminar? So he did that. We're together here for a couple of days, and then I won't see him again for a while, and he'll come back, and the same thing will happen. But what a great time we had having you in the school, in the dojo, your presence, you're passionate about what you do, and electrifying. I mean, people are still talking about it, and it was just a great thing, and a great gift that you gave me. So, you know, as we go back to that, at the end of the night, we were talking about how a lot of people have this idea that you get exactly. to black and quit. And it's not. Martial arts is a maintenance program for life. It's a maintenance program that you have to do 
practice these things every day that sharpens the sword, sharpens your skill level, sharpens your awareness and your discipline and allows you to focus better in life. It does. That's exactly right. There's many cases. This book I have here, it's by uh, Taika Oyata. He passed away, but it's called Rute no Michi. And it's his book that he wrote. And he specifically says in there that if you continue to train every single day, eventually it will become second nature. And it's just like any job. When I was in the Air Force, I was a loadmaster on cargo planes and we had a checklist so that you don't make any errors. Every time you take off, you only get one chance in the air. So that's why they make you use a checklist. But you get to a certain point in your career where you have that checklist on your hip only to refer to it because you know that job so well that it becomes second nature. And I think it becomes second nature because you know that when you take off, it could be the last time you take off. So with martial arts, I like the attitude of if I train every day, it stays fresh, it stays sharp. And eventually, if I do need to use it, it'll come out as second nature. Yeah. and But see, you practice every day. So you bring that practice into your life and you bring it into you know your art, into your, your life, into the way you... The way you eat, the way you live, you reduce stress and so on and so on and so on. You know, it's funny. My father passed away a year ago. And years before that, he'd give me his father's pocket watch, an antique pocket watch. And I had it in my possession for years. It didn't work. But when my father passed away, I thought, man, wouldn't it be cool to get this thing to work and have it on my desk where I could look at it every day? It's beautiful. It's gold. It's mm -hmm. polished. It's a neat thing. So I searched for a guy that, you know, was still around that works on pocket watch. Finally found a guy. And to make a long story short, he fixed it. I thought, wow, this is so cool. It works. I brought it home and I put it on my desk. That's the first thing when I get up, I go into my office. That's where I start my day. So I wound it. It worked great. Day one goes by, perfect time. Day two goes by, it stopped. I was like, geez, that's right. I got to remember to wind this thing up. This has been now, I've had this for three months, okay? and practicing it. It requires me to wind it. And I forget, I get mad at myself. I'm like, I cannot believe I can't remember to get this thing going. I got to wind it. I'm getting better. So every 48 hours, I have to wind it 10 times and it'll run for 48 more hours. But if I don't, the clock stops. I thought of it this morning before the show. I thought, you know, that's where we are today. We've got Google watches. We've got Apple watches. We've got everything. It scratches, tickles us, tells us what direction to go. We don't have to remember to do anything. We have calculators that think for us. We've got computers that think for us. So when you go back 150 years in the early, uh, you say, 1900s, people had to remember to wind their watch to just see what time it was. We don't have to do that anymore. And so I connected that to the martial arts. If I wind that up every day, if I practice my technique, if I practice what works for me, I'm going to have a better life. Bingo. You know uh, what I'm absolutely, saying? Absolutely, yeah. And uh, when I was younger, in my teens, I had so many phone numbers in my head. Yeah. I. I cannot remember my daughter or son's phone number, which I think is terrible. Isn't it terrible? It is terrible, you know. And I think if we try to go back a little bit to the old ways, just a little bit, I think it's good. It also makes us remember what others have gone through, especially the old Okinawan masters. Many of them were poor. Many of them had just laboring jobs. And, you know, you have to wonder, why did they do this other than for self-defense? It, it has to be, it probably kept them going day in, day out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, most of the podcasts I do, we, we follow one subject. But with you, I think we can look at maybe two or three. And so, you know, as we get off the particular, you know, mindset and the idea of the maintenance program with the karate, I'd like to talk a little bit, and we usually don't, but I think it's interesting because of what you do, 
about your 45 degree angle approach. And it's not real, it's not like it's real technical. So we're not really talking about, you know, what works and what doesn't work in the martial arts, but you have what you call the 45 degree angle idea. Right. I just found through continuous kata training that one, whenever you have an attack from an assailant, I don't think you want to go on them straight on, just like, you know, two football players at the line. I mean, you see what happens there. It becomes a stalemate. In the event that one is larger than the other, one can be dominated. So if you go on a 45, it takes a little bit of that pressure off and you actually slice it down the middle. Also, anytime that you look at something from a different angle or a different perspective, I think you get better understanding, better meaning. Your view is better. So when you stand in front of someone and you see just that linear view of them, you don't know what's behind them or you don't know what's in their back pocket. But when you stand on a 45, you pretty much can see almost 270 degrees of that person. So you have a better understanding of what you're dealing with. And then just through the martial arts, your technique, it's more efficient. It's more effective. You know what? It's funny. It's one of those rules that no matter what technique you do, if you do it in a 45 or if you position your opponent on a 45, it's going to be a great technique and it's going to be very efficient. Really like what you said about taking a different angle on personalities and characters, <laughs> maybe getting looking at them not so linear right, and just getting a better understanding. Master Hawk always said to me, when you are in a tough situation with someone, you're discussing something, he said, try to remove yourself from the linear and stand above that person on a 45. And, you know, it's easy to say that. However, it really came to light. I was on the job. I was out in Denver. The visit was complete. And I was up in a hotel room and I was looking out the balcony window. And I saw a bus drive down below. And I thought, wow, I just realized something. On the top of the bus, there was a groove in it. But you'd never know that if you looked at it from the street. Mm. So what I started thinking was, wow. Imagine what you could put in that groove and no one would know. That would be dangerous. Yeah. Well, that's right. It gave me a complete new perspective. So when I do get into a situation where, you know, I'm having conflict or I'm having trouble discussing or getting my point across, I physically move my body on a 45 with that person. And it's amazing what happens. It changes the dynamics of it. You may not get what you want, but... You change the scenario and that person feels it. They definitely feel it. So if you can do that, you might be able to change their attitude and sway them your way. That's why whenever I, you know, confront someone, whether they're good or bad, I usually go on a 45 just because you get a better perspective of it. Yeah, that, no, that's, that's a really, that's an interesting concept, interesting idea. And I think too, you, being a martial artist, you see that you kind of taking a tighter approach on a corner rather than straight on taking the mass of the punch or the strike or the attack and just uh, slipping to the side. And that's really kind of the way you need to take a look at life in general. <clears throat> mm -hmm. To make more people aware about your approach, the way you approach your life, generally from a martial arts point of view. And the other night in the seminar, you were talking about your hurricane idea. And I know it caught a lot of people in a good way. I mean, a lot of people stopped and said, wow, that's, that is really cool that you came up with that. I didn't want to miss uh, the opportunity to not bring that up. I'd like you to explain that a little bit. Okay. Yeah, you know, it all um, it all started back with Master Hawk. He asked us at one time during a lesson, why do the martial arts work so well? He basically told us that they're made up of natural laws. So I started thinking about this, and I know it was a weekend, and I was training, and there was a hurricane going on in the country. And I just started to look at this. And 
what I started to think was there are so many martial arts principles involved in a hurricane. You know, when the hurricane comes on shore, um, let's say it's coming in from Florida. Well, it comes in counterclockwise, the wind, the rain. When it comes through, the eye of the storm hits and it's peaceful and calm. And then when it exits, it goes clockwise. So the whole yin-yang principle is there. You've got rain and you've got dry from the uh, center of the storm. You've got violent action and then you have the calm from the center, from the eye of the storm. You've got wind, you've got rain, you've got a lot of the elements there. And I just started thinking about, wow, you know, this is like a fight. So when an irate person or a person that is just not using their head, they're emotionally triggered, when they come at you, they're like the outer edge of the hurricane, you know, flailing arms, trying to just hurt you. And hopefully us as martial artists, we can be the calm of the storm. We can be the center. Now, everybody has a center. With us martial artists, I think all of our technique and all of our self-defenses come from within. It comes from our heart. It goes from our heart to our brain and then from our brain to the appendage that we're using. I think with an assailant or a person that's causing conflict, I think it all generates from their mind and their emotion. So they don't really have a lot of control over it. What we need to do as martial artists, we need to get in on that hurricane and seize that center eye because that person does have energy. He absolutely or she absolutely has energy, but we need to get in there and get a hold of it and manipulate it. And once we manipulate it with our core energy, they're done. They're just done. They can't do a thing. I've tested this time and time and time again. And I I think I demonstrated that the other night at the seminar where Mm -hmm. I had several people just come at me with whatever they wanted and they could not get to me. They could not hurt me. Again, I think it goes back to as a defensive person, you are defending your internal core, whereas an offensive person, the minute that they try to do an offensive technique, they open themselves up and they let that energy go forth. Another thing that I learned also from the movie Peaceful Warrior, it's about Dan Millman. He's a great self-help guy. From that movie, what I took away from it is in order to be successful and very good, you have to open your heart. You have to surrender it. You have to surrender yourself to the energy. Once you do that, it just takes over. Surrendering not in a way of giving up, but just surrendering and letting it come in so that you can manipulate it and you can use it to your advantage. Yeah. I look at my life that way. I don't try to control it. I get up and there's certain things I'm looking out for. But just, just like this today, I mean, this is not planned. Right. I mean, all these things, all these people that I see in my journey... And as I said before at the beginning of the show, the exciting thing is your life and everything you bring into my life. I don't try to control that. It just comes. You know, years go by and even though we're not together, we're still connected. You know, we're still connected. And that's the exciting part of life. And that's living in the moment more. Yes. You know, and as we try to increase financially, get a better job, and we're always forward thinking. We're always rushing past um, the moment. And I'm not saying we shouldn't. We always have to think of our welfare, our family. We have to take care of things. And that's not my point. But the point is, if we can remove chaos, if we can remove anger, if we can remove insecurity, if we can remove all these obstacles in our self, in our own brain, we can allow for more openness to be in the moment and to see that things are actually happening in real time. And then life has a different value to it. And you don't miss the opportunity, uh, just like this opportunity today. Right. Um, Another thing, uh, you mentioned fear and and chaos. The one thing I took away from that movie, Peaceful War, was Socrates. And he said to Dan, you know, when you get fear, he says, take the saber and just shred it. He goes, fear is nothing 
but something you generated from your mind and now it's affecting your emotions. Mm. When you think about it, why is it that some people can go to the edge of a cliff and look down and others start shaking 10 feet from it? It's because of what they learned and what they went through. As a person internally, I think if we can get over those hurdles, we definitely will live in the moment because fear takes your moments away. Yeah. They don't let you stay focused and do what you're supposed to do. No, and fear and anger will dominate yes. you. Yes. And the next thing you know, you're, you are just a black void and you can't function. So yeah, absolutely. But again, you go back to daily practice. It's something that you got to work on. Every individual's got to work on. Yep. And that's what this show's about. Hopefully different people will hear it. Martial artists are non-martial artists and say, you know, hey, that's something that I need to work on. And it's not that you or me are any better than anybody else. We're not. No. It's just that we have this eye opener, which is to study the mind, the body, and the spirit, all three, that you've got to be physically in shape. You've got to eat the right foods. You've got to get the right sleep. And that's going to affect your mind. And whatever you bring in your body, you have to also bring in good things in your mind. You can't read crap. You can't read all this stuff that just doesn't have any meaning. Right. You know, read some good books. Read something that's going to help you generate positive energy. And then spiritually, there is a God. There is a higher power. Look up. Realize you can't do it on your own. And research that, you know, whether you're Jewish, Christian, Muslim, that there is a power, a creator, and recognize it. Don't fear it. Realize it exists and live in it. I think that's the one thing about a martial artist is that if you can look at it from a standpoint of there has to be a higher power there, that's the first step in, in humility. And second of all, I think as humans that we need that because if we think we're the all, then where do we go from there? Right, exactly. Where do we go? It's like we've, we've come to the end. So... And I'm, I am, I'm a little skeptical of, of martial artists that don't believe in a being, not so much God, but in a higher being. I'm a little skeptical of that. And it makes me want to think, hmm, if you're thinking in that way, do you think your martial arts system is the best? Because I've ran into those types. And I've always said any martial arts system is good as long as you're doing it and as long as you believe in it. Right, right. And, you know, sometimes guys like that are just self-consumed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's not us. That's not what this show's about. You know, one thing we referenced Tim Hawk and give him credit. I mean, when I was going through my growing up in the martial arts unite, I departed from uh, Taekwondo and I was searching for a sensei that had um, a good understanding, not just the martial arts, but a good, a good mind, a good teacher, you know, depth and philosophy. I went through after I separated from Taekwondo, I went through three or four and I would train with these guys for six months to a year, American Kempo, Tang Sudo different martial artists. And I was like, nah, that's too late in my career. I want to end up with somebody that really has a lot more depth, not just kicks and punches and strikes. And eventually I found Tim Hawk. On the flip side of that, which I find really interesting is that I started in October of 1984 with mm -hmm. Tim Hawk. And after two and a half years, a combination of classes and privates, I got up to third Q, brown belt. I then went in the Air Force. And then after the Air Force, I went back to college. And then I started a family and so over a course of, I don't know, um, almost 20 years, I just kept training at the brown belt level and doing my katas. I did the same thing. Through those years, I went and I tried to find a school that was good. And I couldn't find anything that fit like a glove. So I just remember what Master Hawk said. He says, you know, you're better off being an excellent brown belt than a lousy black belt. Mm. And that goes with anything in life. So I had the opportunity to come back to the area. I started training again with Master Hawk, and in 2006, I received my Shodan, my black belt. So after almost 22 years later, I got my black belt. Yeah. I don't know of many people that would do that. 
Right. And I guess my point is I stuck with him because I knew that that was it for me. Uh, there's plenty of other martial art groups out there, but they just did not teach it the way that I was used to it. Oh, absolutely. So if he's listening, yeah, you know, to your credit, Nastarov, we appreciate yes, you. absolutely. And I really appreciate you uh, doing this. I hope when you're in the area again, you know you're always invited back to do a seminar and spread your knowledge around and also to do this. We'd love to have you back on. Absolutely. I definitely will. Thanks, Tim. It was enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Attack Life, Not Others. Subscribe to our podcast. And for more on Sensei Hoover's way of life through the martial arts, go to hooverkarate.com. This has been a Steve Mittman Social Media creation. Creation. Steve Mittman Social Media.com. 